How's it, everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. On this podcast, you will find uniquely South African digital content brought to you from a local perspective across the industry. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Today we have a guest in the studio, um, Kirsty Dagmore, Chief Growth Officer at Sugar Spice Evidence-Based Marketing. Welcome to the studio. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Kirsty, tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, what you do, and what made you jump into behavioral economics, and how has this had an impact in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, I have got a really rich history in the media and marketing space, um, approximately 16 years. And about three years ago, I made the move to start my own consultancy, Sugar and Spice. Um, And the reason for that is I am traditionally quite academic. Um, I'm a marketing nerd at heart. And I had been following a lot of global trends in the marketing and branding space. Uh, And what I was seeing is that we are moving forward um, at a global perspective in the marketing, branding, consumer behavior space. Uh, And there was a lot of really good stuff coming in from around the world. Uh, And so I took a leap of faith and started my consultancy to specifically design a workshop around evidence-based marketing so that I could upskill marketers, media uh, owners, creatives, media agencies uh, on this new theory and practice that uh, really helps us to make more effective uh, or do more effective marketing, but based in empirical data and research. Um, so scientifically based principles for marketing uh, and media, uh, which essentially makes us better at our job to do better marketing and build stronger brands uh, within South Africa. Okay. And tell us something interesting about yourself. What do you do for fun? Who me? Oh, <laughs> I like fun a lot. Um, yeah. I'm a really big uh, social creature, so I have a big circle of friends. I'm incredibly good at having a glass of wine or two. <laughs> um, and I am very close to my family. Uh, and I have two precious daughters that are pretty much the center of my universe and who keep me on my toes uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Okay, and I think now with uh, schools closing for such a long time, um, they must be getting on your nerve. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to tell you that my patience is never ending, but that I have learned in the last few days is not so. So yes, I'm having to practice my best patience uh, and kudos to the teachers out there. I have, I've always had respect for them, but I have more respect for them now more than ever. Mm. Um, so thank you, teachers. Yeah. You do an incredible job. Certainly much better than I'm managing. Oh, definitely. So our topic for today is... Is behavioral economics a secret weapon for marketing? Okay, certainly. I just want to give you some context in terms of the evidence-based marketing because it's got a couple of prongs to it. So I cover in my space um, the contributors that I use in my course content is uh, behavioral economics is certainly a a really big big section of what I do uh, and I'm very, very passionate about it. Uh, I got to study psychology at university and then went on to do a marketing degree. So it really is a combination of that. Uh, There is also observed consumer behavior 
um, which comes out of the Ehrenberg Bass Institute of Marketing Science. They are the biggest global market researchers in the world, uh, and they have proven many, many scientifically-based uh, marketing principles that are, are effective and useful to media people and marketers. Uh, and then I do and touch on a little bit of neuromarketing. So obviously technology has advanced and continues to advance, and this allows us as marketers to understand uh, a little bit more of what happens uh, in the cognitive space or the gray matter space uh, when consumers are making decisions. So uh, the evidence-based marketing theory covers all of those elements, but certainly from today's perspective, we're going to look at behavioral economics, uh, which is incredibly interesting and incredibly valuable to a marketer. So let's just pause and go back to what are the gaps or what are you finding in terms of brands that not only in South Africa, but globally in terms of not actually adopting some of these principles in how they, they actually do marketing. And I'm sure that's what's led you to start doing what you do. Yes, it absolutely has. So traditional marketing is about 50 years old and it hasn't seen much innovation or progression for many, many years. But as in all industries, whether it's teaching, economics, science, everything has to progress. Uh, and slowly marketing is progressing, uh, especially in the evidence-based marketing space. So there's a couple of reasons. People don't know about it or they haven't um, been exposed to the new style of marketing. There is also a sense of discomfort for some marketers because all this evidence-based marketing uh, and research is shifting a lot of long-held beliefs or debunking uh, previously held uh, or debunking or the myths that uh, marketers have been following. And this, as you can understand, would make people uh, uncomfortable. What is evidence-based marketing? Okay, evidence-based marketing is science or fact-based marketing. So it's principles and rules that have been empirically proved through scientific studies or uh, rigorous research, or in the case of behavioral economics, which has been applied across many, many disciplines um, around the world, not just marketing. These are where academics have proved these principles and they've tested and tried them uh, and they've proven true. Uh, so they just, they're just they empirically based. They're not armchair theories um, or a, a thumbsuck idea that has gained traction in the market and then people pick it up and go with it. And how long has this been at play? Evidence-based marketing. Probably it started, I think, about 20 years ago, certainly in the behavioral economic space, and it continues to gain traction. So people are starting to use the lingo, starting to ad adapt it. Uh, it's being used widely in the UK, across Europe, uh, and I think it'll continue to grow quite significantly uh, in the next coming years or in the next few years. So your workshops are South African based with South African brands. How are they actually applying some of the teachings into their marketing? So my workshops, the theory um, and the examples are all uh, academically based. Uh, and sourced, so it's not my opinion uh, at all or from my experience. Everything has been academically sourced and then I apply it to the relevant brands in the country, especially when I uh, train specific teams. Uh, certainly, they, I'm not the only one that is applying the evidence-based principles of marketing out there. There are a couple of very progressive clients and agencies. Um, and what I can tell you without giving away um, too much information 
uh, because it's, it's confidential information, is that those clients and agencies that are applying the rules or the principles of evidence-based marketing are seeing huge uplift uh, in their brand's health, uh, in their return on investment, uh, and ultimately in sales, because that's what everybody is after. Um, so there really are good results, or business results, as you would like to call it, uh, that is coming out of the practice of evidence-based marketing and applying these principles and rules to your strategy and your creative. Would you actually say that marketing now is moving more into the science of marketing and you need to actually weight marketing with science and art? Uh, absolutely. Optimistically, I hope that most marketers uh, will apply science or empirical evidence to their their strategies and and um, take that forward with them in terms of trying to create brand growth um, and media strategies that that have effective results. I'm really curious to know how that would unfold in that value chain of marketing. Like uh, realistically, can you give the listeners a view of how would a market apply evidence-based marketing into their marketing? Wow. Um, I don't know if we can go there in a limited podcast, um, but certainly it helps you to understand how to target correctly where your growth comes from in terms of your sales. It also helps you understand what effective um, creative looks like. Should you be putting logical um, ads out? Is there a, a place for emotional uh, advertising or communication or storytelling? Uh, should you use wide-reaching media? Should things be targeted? So we, we approach all of those things from a scientific basis in terms of best practice in what the research says. Um, and ultimately, where we're going to go today, I assume, is understanding how consumers make decisions uh, and that's where behavioral economics comes in is understanding the fundamental human behavior what drives us to make decisions and how does that uh, impact on how we should be communicating to consumers we want to as marketers influence behavior that's what we're about uh, and if we understand behavior and how it plays out in human nature it equips us in a much better way uh, to create effective communication no, definitely. So from what I understand, this is based largely on Daniel Kahneman's System 1 and System 2. Yes. So Daniel Kahneman is the forefather of um, behavioral economics. Him and Tversky uh, did a, a decade's worth of research in terms of understanding decisions and how people make decisions particularly under pressure, that was their research. Um, behavioral economics obviously didn't start in marketing, but because it is under, um, about understanding how people make decisions, uh, I'm sure you can understand the power and relevance for marketers in terms of adopting these principles into the marketing space. Daniel Kahneman wrote a really famous book think, uh, called Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, and I'm sure we'll unpack System 1 and System 2 in a little bit. Um, because that is the core and the basis for understanding behavioral economics and then applying it from there. Um, he also very interestingly won a Nobel Prize in 2001, uh, 2002, excuse me. Uh, and the interesting bit about that Nobel Prize was that it was an economics Nobel Prize, but for the application of psychology, um, which has never been done in the history before. So as you can see, there's a really big merge of economics, psychology, and people are starting to use different disciplines 
to come to outcomes to produce effective understanding and effective understanding of of human behavior specifically um, in this context it's definitely multi-dimensional absolutely so maybe you want to take us through what is systems one and systems two yes absolutely okay. so to try and do this as um as basically as i can Daniel Cardamon believes that we operate in two systems. System one, which is our emotional, intuitive, fast thinking system. And system two is our slower, um, more thought through, harder working system. The key to understand is that system one uses shortcuts and quick keys to help us make fluid, quick decisions, but it's highly emotional and it can make mistakes, which we call biases. Mm. Um, and, and I'll take you through that in a little while. System two is the more dependable, rational system, but it is very lazy uh, and we don't use our system two unless we really, really have to. So most decisions, and this has been confirmed across disciplines, uh, are made in system one. Uh, in fact, they say up to 95% of our decisions is made in, in, are made in system one. And we only use system two if we really, really have to. Uh, and there's really, really good reasons for this. Um, and the two main reasons is that as humans, we need to be effective. Uh, we need to move as fluidly as we can and use as little energy as we can um, to make our everyday decisions. Think about how you are making many, many decisions every day. Your body needs to breathe. You need to do all sorts of things. You need to drive to work. You need to think about work. You need to think about your kids. There is so much going on that the more effective and fluent you can be as a human being, the better equipped you are to move through your day and your life. The second critical reason for System 1 uh, is if you came into a park and a lion walked across your path, you don't have time to deliberate and think about that lion and go, it's got sharp teeth, it's bigger than me, it can probably run faster than me. You don't have time. So from a survival perspective, we operate in System 1. It helps us make quick, uh, instinctive decisions ultimately to keep us alive. So yes, that's why we operate in system one all the time uh, and system two is there, but we only go to it if we really, really have to. So the question I'm going to ask you is around brands and how do they tap into, for example, system one? Yes. Okay. So the major monumental shift from, from a branding perspective is traditionally we viewed brand decisions as long thought through logical step-by-step decisions about what brand decisions we were going to make. Uh, Science and behavioral economics has debunked this. Uh, We now know, uh, and I'm I'm just touching the surface of it today, Audrey, there's a lot of information here, but we now know that we are making emotional, instinctive decisions uh, and quick key decisions as far as possible. Uh, And we're trying to make those decisions as fluidly as we can as humans or consumers. So it's to understand that when you are deciding on brands you are in system one Uh, so when a marketer or a a brand manager or a creative is putting communication together 
in the past, we thought that logical arguments and communication would be more effective. We now know that that is not the case. You need to build strong brands, probably with an emotional element in most cases, to help consumers recognize and buy you with not too much thought and effort. So system one buying. You need to work with the brain, not against um, the brain. And what this is proving is that brands are far more important than we thought in the past um, because think of a brand you buy you buy it if you know it and it's a strong brand you buy it with ease it feels right you put it in your trolley without too much thought and it's an easy purchase that's a system one purchase or if you go into a category you don't usually buy uh, for instance if I I bought my husband cologne a few years ago and I hadn't done men's cologne for so long and uh, and I was overwhelmed because the brain gets overwhelmed. It wanted to go into system two. Um, but my system one said, hang on, choose a couple of brands that are familiar and then make a decision. Uh, and then the brands became critical because it made me more comfortable, made me make the decision um, easier and kept me out of the system two because the brands were familiar, even in a category I wasn't sure of or wasn't a regular buyer of. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So what you, you're kind of saying is brands need to actually ensure that they have brand presence, that they're a sustainable brand, that they're actually communicating what their brand stands for, because that's actually positioning that seed or thought or perceptions in the consumer's mind. But we don't actually understand what's the impact of brand and consumers because of the way they think and synthesize all of this data at different touch points, which is the role of media. Yes, absolutely, the role of media. So yeah, essentially there's so many elements in terms of doing creating brand growth and strong brands, but from a behavioral economics point of view, the stronger the brand because of how we understand how consumers make decisions, the better that consumers will be able to pick up your brand because they're in system one and they know the brand and it's familiar and they don't have to use too much energy thinking if they trust it, if it's going to do the job, they have that instinctive feeling that it will. Uh, and so that's where brands become critical from a behavioral economics perspective in terms of how consumers are making decisions. So you, you'll remember in traditional marketing, anybody that has studied marketing of all those graphs um, of where people decide what they want to buy, they then analyze their choices, then they look what's available to them, then they make the decision, and then they then do a post-purchase um, mm -hmm. analysis. And there's all these steps uh, that unfortunately is not the truth in the real world or how we're making decisions, certainly for the most part uh, and certainly for quick uh, FMCG products. Uh, and in fact, across all categories, most people are using quick keys uh, to make these decisions. So are you saying the traditional marketing funnel needs to be relooked now? Yes, absolutely. It, it um, does need to be looked at with fresh eyes. So there's a couple of funnels we talk about. So just to be sure, clear this is the decision making funnel not the um when you're in the market funnel online etc this is your yeah, understanding how consumers are making their decisions think of your own behavior um you do not sit and think about pros and cons about your soap your toothpaste your washing powder you go if there's a brand that you think is good enough to do the job it goes into your trolley um, as quickly as possible and off you go I think you stand in front of a shelf for about six seconds. Okay. So if you had to suggest, what would a new marketing funnel look like? So I don't
don't think you can, or not I don't think, they've proven you can't know where consumers are in their purchasing cycle. So you've got to brand uh, and market continuously. So when people come into the market for your category uh, or your product, that you come to mind uh, and you are thought of in a quick key way. So that works with the brain. Or when you are in front of the aisle, you can recognize and choose a brand really quickly. We can't predict when somebody's coffee container is empty or when your toothpaste is run dry. Mm-hmm. So we can, uh, through research, understand buying behaviors and frequencies and things, but we certainly as marketers can't predict. So it's incredibly important that people continue to create brand awareness, uh, keep their brand strong, uh, and keep making sure that people know and recognize them as a brand so that when they are in a purchasing environment and they're trying to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible, that they can do so without too much effort. Do you want to quickly touch on cognitive biasness? Yes, I can Mm. quickly um, touch on cognitive biases and we can use a very relevant example. So what System 1 says um, is that your System 1 is irrational and that does by no means um, say that you are not intelligent um, or silly at all. It just means that we as humans are susceptible to certain irrational mistakes that our brain makes because system one is working so quickly and for good reason as I've explained for survival and efficiency it does sometimes make mistakes Uh, and these mistakes are called cognitive biases the main cognitive bias and the most important one is loss aversion so as humans we are equipped to understand that we need to survive and we are always in a situation to see what we can lose and not what we can gain and so we feel loss much more than we feel gain. Uh, and there's a lot of this um, information on loss aversion and cognitive biases on, on the internet, if you guys are interested, and um, please go have a look. Um, but certainly loss aversion leads to many other cognitive biases. Uh, and one we're seeing certainly from a toilet paper perspective at the moment is the bandwagon effect um, or herd mentality. Uh, there, there are a couple of names for it. But what we're seeing is that in Australia, people started to panic by um, toilet paper. I'm sure everybody's seen it on the news. And that came from people thinking or knowing that they had to import a, a lot of the pulp after they lost many of their trees Um in the fires that they just had. But I've done a bit of research. They have more than enough toilet paper. But that mentality got people buying toilet paper. So what happens is that one person does it and then another person does it. And then all of a sudden it it reaches past the tipping point and you've got herd mentality where everybody is behaving like this. For It's not a rational reason for why people are behaving, behaving this way. And the reason we behave this way is again for loss aversion. If a lot of people are doing it, they must know something that we don't know, so it's Mm -hmm. safe. So we follow herd mentality. So um, sadly, that herd mentality has now reached the whole world and we're all panic buying toilet paper. Um, And for no reason other than because we saw other people that we assume may know more than us, we follow their behavior. It doesn't make logical sense uh, if you look at it from the outside, but it is pure human behavior uh, in terms of trying to avoid loss and behave in a way that provides us security. Um, So it's, yeah, 
it's human nature. Well, I had the same thought this morning. I thought, yes, uh, about the hand sanitizers. I could completely understand the herd behavior. We all need the hand sanitizers. But then I was trying to figure out why are we having the same issue with toilet paper? What's that got to do with COVID-19? I couldn't fathom that out. No, it makes absolutely no sense. It's 100% herd behavior. We just, people started doing it and we all followed it. And there's many, many examples in terms of of bandwagon effect or herd behavior. But from a marketing perspective, it makes sense why people then use celebrities um, because they want to follow people that know things, um, why you will wait two months to go into a restaurant that is booked out when they are perfectly good restaurants that can take you that evening. All herd behavior, trying to follow what other people are doing. So should brands tap into like a herd behavior you know, I, I always, and, and it brings me back to like uh, tribal marketing, um, community-based marketing, and where people galvanize around similar people because you're, you, we all have the same perspective mm. or a viewpoint so that we, ha- we are like in a group formation. We all actually can relate to each other and mm. makes us feel like part of this group. Is that also part of this? 100%. And in fact, the research says it's more effective at a local or community level because all of a sudden, if people that look and behave like you um, start to do something, you will then do the same. Uh, Absolutely, yes. So I'm looking at big brands like Nike and how they have their, their clubs and people are very loyal to the brand. And it's it's that feeling of inclusion that I'm part of this brand, but not understanding that it's not it's beyond a brand. It's about what makes how a person feels, how they behave, how they present themselves, their status. All of that has to do with it. You know, Maslow's hierarchy, as well, is feeling that uh, self-actualization or whatever but I don't think as marketers I mean I've been in marketing for so long that you bring in a very fresh approach I think neuromarketing evidence-based marketing has been going on for so long we're actually not aware of it and maybe not utilize that opportunity to leverage off some of those trends or insights coming out of evidence-based marketing Yes, absolutely. And again, not all brands, a lot of the big brands are onboarding uh, the evidence-based marketing uh, principles or the practices, and they are seeing the results through it. A lot of the stuff you also, especially creatives, do instinctively from a behavioral economics perspective. So if they say um, limited edition, that's also based on a scarcity bias. We've been doing that for years. We just understand the psychology of why it's effective. Um, or if you sign up now or the offer goes, again, it's all behavioral economically based. We don't, that loss aversion, it comes back to loss aversion. So we've been practicing these principles or applying behavioral economics for many, many years, but now we can back work and understand the psychology behind why this communication works. So creatives have been doing that for many, many years. Uh, it just gives us some nice underpinning understanding of why uh, it's so effective. Bandwagging, herd mentality, we've seen on social media, that's all about it, how many likes you've got, how many followers you've got, um, and that all happens naturally without knowing the science behind behavioral economics. But from a behavioral economics perspective, we now understand why we behave like this. Because if you look at it from the outside, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Mm. 
um, if you go and buy an air ticket and it says only three more seats left and you wanted to discuss it with your husband and think about if you had the money, all of a sudden you panic and there's action based on scarcity, a bias that, that kicks into our brain that makes us um, go into action. So what are you doing from your company perspective in terms of getting this out there and educating more people? So I have had the privilege of doing workshops with some of the really big brands and marketing teams around the country and the media agencies. And I continue to uh, try and engage with them as much as I can. I also run workshops about six times a year for smaller companies where it's an open workshop where individuals can come and attend a two-day workshop uh, so I do that as well uh, so I really am trying to get get traction within the South African market okay thank you uh, so if people want to get hold of you yes please will you supply my details I will please feel free to get hold of me I'd love to discuss it with you um, I've had a few people in the last month that are very passionate about the space and we've had fantastic debates uh, and I know there's lots of, of people that are wanting to learn and grow and, and get into this field uh, so please do contact me I'd love oh. to engage with you thanks so much Kirsty, for your time today really enjoyed the conversation pleasure thank you Audrey for the opportunity Okay. keep doing the good work Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. Massive shout out to the Infinity Media team in Samson in sponsoring today's episode. Don't forget to follow my Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Comment on this week's episode. Share your ideas and who knows, you could feature on the next one.